Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we sing that as a testimony because there are many here who have experienced this incredible love that you have for us that we don't deserve. And we are so grateful for that. And we know, God, there are some here who are in a place where they don't experience it or have never experienced it. And and you look with love in your eyes and desire that every heart would be open to receive. Father, we also pray because we know there are many people that are surrounding us throughout this community and throughout the state and all throughout the world, God, who, who don't know this love, who are running from it or are turned away from it, are seeking to find whatever it is in their heart that they think they need and yet, God, you look down and so we're praying, God, would you hear the cries and would you use us to love people to an understanding that because of our love for them, they would see and experience your love for them. We pray, God, that you would use each and every one of us in ways that we love those who are closest to us within our own family, and that, God, we learn how to do it first close around us so that, God, we can begin to do it to any who are around us. Give us, we pray, the Father's love. Release that, we pray, in and through us. And we pray this because you have loved us. You have heard our cry. And we are grateful and give you thanks. Now, God, hear the cry of each and every person in this place who might be crying out praise or might be crying out for you to move or to act within their life. We pray meet each and every one of us right where we're at. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me share with you a story. I was told this week. A person writes, my identity was stolen on June 18, 2012. I received a phone call asking that I verify information for opening a line of credit at Walmart. I had not made this application. It was the first alert that my was a victim of fraudulent credit activity. It was the, uh, as I contacted Walmart to file a fraud report, I received messages regarding the purchases were about $2,100 on walmart.com and also on hotwiresales.com, all transacted on June 17th and 18th and all fraudulent. So on June 18th, I started calling Walmart and Hotwire to report these fraudulent charges and literally in the time I was on the phone with customer service, I would have one or two messages from credit card companies or stores verifying my information for credit applications which they had gone ahead and processed and opened accounts on. This continued for the next six, seven days. I received four to five calls a day asking to verify applications made for new accounts, and in each case, the accounts were opened and purchases were made without my approval. By July 7th, the criminals, in this case, had opened up accounts and made purchases using my name, bank account numbers, and social security information to Barclays Visa Bank credit card, Walmart, K-Jewelers, a PayPal account, and a PayPal Extra MasterCard, Best Buy, Hotwire Online account, Fingerhut, Zales, 
WebBank, Macy's, Sears, Kohl's, Citibank, and had ordered a Comcast services and opened an account at the Wyzetta Free Coffee Corner. (laughs) The last one is... (laughs) Just make sure you're paying attention. We don't have a credit account there. (laughs) Apparently, they would open these accounts, make purchases to maximum amount allow it at the time of opening, and then would either sell the merchandise purchased or return it for cash. As fast as I could contact one of these accounts to report it as fraudulent, I'd receive a phone message or a bill in the mail for another fraudulent account and total charges on all the different accounts, and each one of them was about eight to $10,000. And thankfully, none of which I ended up being responsible for. I had to file a police report in Wyzetta and spent a day contacting these businesses and credit card companies to report fraud. It took many, many hours to fill out fraud reports for each account that was opened. All this required time away from work. At the time, it was terrifying. I was acting on the reports immediately, but whoever was doing it was moving so fast, I felt like I couldn't stop it. It felt like they were taking hostage my identity. My established credit and my business reputation. By early to mid-July, the fraud activity had slowed down as far as new accounts being opened. I was still spending hours each week on the phone or filling paperwork as bills would arrive at our home for fraudulent accounts and fraudulent purchases. On July 17, 2012, I received a letter from the Wyzetta Public Schools saying that a number of current and former employees had been victims of identity theft. A payroll report from 1996 had been located at the crime scene and had my name, along with a list of other employees, on the report. And within a week, Mary Fadden, who plays our piano here, who shared with me this report, who works at Wyzetta, said I was contacted by the Ramsey County Sheriff Department investigating a a large ring of identity theft, and my name was on the document that they had uncovered, and I spent countless hours giving information, filling out police reports and filing fraud reports for someone, and if you know Mary, who is loyal and logical and very planned, methodical, fairly conservative with expenditures, credit, and purchases, She writes, it felt like nothing I could do which could safeguard myself or allow me to really have control over the information that you would think is private and personal. My life felt completely out of control. Because someone had taken hostage my identity. Anybody have any experiences? Something lost? You know, almost everybody here has. At least in the financial area, you may have had some of that or some other identity kind of theft. But I want to share with you, there is a truth that is so important for all of us to understand. Because everybody here who has made a a confession of faith and trust in Jesus has been given a new identity. And do you know that everybody here has had their identity stolen? And even those of you, if you're here and you've never made that confession of faith, you still have had your identity stolen. Because we're all children of God. And one of the things that I think I have found in my life, and I think people find, and you don't even realize it, is you spend 
countless hours trying to grab hold of an identity that you that, that can help you feel peace and, and help you bring you joy. And, and you find that your identity is essential to who you are, and who you are then causes what you do, what you think about, what you worry about, what you're concerned about. And people all the time have identity theft. Anytime you have a thought that, that says that I'm a loser, that's an identity theft. Anytime you have a thought where you think I'm ugly, that's an identity theft. Anytime you say I'm no good, anytime you think you're, you are inadequate for what God has called you to do and to be. Anytime you hear the words, God doesn't love you, that's an identity theft. And here's what happens. We have that happen so often. Our mind is racing so often. And we're filling out all these reports trying to deal with this that we are constantly in this battle for who God says we are. And often that creates all kinds of tension and all kinds of, a, of lack of peace. It, it hits you to the heart of who you are because identity is about who you are. We, we try and put our identity in a lot of different things because we feel like we can identify, which is really the word if we identify with something. So if you're really good in the sport, let's say you're really good at basketball, and for years you, you become a basketball player, and your, your identity is identified with this, and, and you carry yourself because you're identified with this, or maybe you find that you identify with someone who's important and with your, with this person who's important, and if you drop names about it, you, you feel better about who you are. Or, or because of a job you've had and a title you've had. Or because maybe when you're younger, you, 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 you thought you looked good and as you age, you start to lose your identity around your youth. I, it can be all kinds of things. And Jesus knew how critically important this is. He knew how critically important stolen identity is. So as in these weeks to come, we're going to talk about identity, we're going to talk about authority, we're going to talk about power, these things that come out of a sense of who we are. And because Jesus knew how critically important identity is and how easy it is for, it is easily stolen or forgotten, there was a time his disciples, when he was with them, they saw him praying and they knew that his prayers had established something. His prayers were effective. He would go away and he'd spend time and, 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 and he would come back and he would have this renewed sense of who he was. It happened on different occasions. One time he went early in the morning. They had been ministering all day. He comes back. The disciples are looking for him. People are all excited about what he had been doing. He, was, he had done these miracles. They were ready for him to do the miracle working campaign. He goes away. He comes back and he says, guess what? We're not going to stay here. Here's who I am. I am an itinerant preacher that God has called me to go from place to place to place. And they're going, but wait a second. It's, it's happening here. Well, they noticed that again and again. They knew his identity was formed somewhat out of the way that he related to his father in a conversational prayer where he was spent time to lock down who he was and why he came. So I'm going to ask you to stand because we're going to read these words from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And for any of you who are people of few words, this is the passage of scripture you want for the Lord's Prayer. Okay? This is the stripped-down version. You know, if you're kind of the guy who says, give me the executive report, you're the woman who says, you know, just give me the top headline, this is the prayer, okay? 
One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, say it with me. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not at temptation. I want to explain why this prayer is so important to your identity. Father, hear our prayer. We say amen to this. Teach us to live in this. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I love, I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts this. He says these words. Father, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. It's a really good paraphrase. What I want to do is just go through a quick explanation and then share with you some implications that I think would be helpful for us to live within the identity that God has called us to live in. And so to begin with, this prayer is really about identity and its first words establish it. It's the first word is father. Literally, it's the Aramaic word that when a little baby was born and learning how to speak, one of the first things they would say when they were trying to call their dad, you know how little babies, it would be Abba, 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 kind of like Papa, Papa, Dada, Dada. It's the very same thing that you hear when you hear a little baby as you are raising it as as a parent and as a dad. It's those wonderful words when you hear them for the first time say, Dada, they identify you as the one who watches over them and loves them and actually brought them into the world. As a grandparent, I get a kick out of this today. I'm Papa. My wife is Gigi for Grandma Grace. Um, I have a a friend who... uh, guy down in Atlanta who has been teaching his grandson to call him Geezer. I, 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 really? And he goes, yeah, yeah. We're out in the store. He calls me, hey, geezer. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just a simple word, dada. And then interesting, that's the word he gave us. In heaven. That's, that's the second thing in this. Matthew talks about in the heavens, and we get this idea when we think of heaven as something way up there. When we think of heaven, we think about up there, out there, somewhere over in the skies, and, and that's not what the word heaven means. You can see it throughout the whole Bible. So often the word heaven, one of the, one of the translations of it would be the sky, but when it's most commonly used in the New Testament when it's speaking about spiritual matters, it talks about a realm that we can't see all around us. It talks about this realm of the spirit. Where if we had the eyes to see in the spirit, which in the Old Testament they had some they called seers. And the reason they were called seers is because they could see into this realm. There are people today that some sometimes God removes the veil. Especially even with little children, he kind of removes the veil and they can see angels or they see these things. Which is kind of a weird thing to think about. There really are angels and demonic spirits that are all around us. And you go, yeah, right. It's what the Bible teaches And so when he says father in the heavens, he's not going just father way out there somewhere. Part of it is a sense of he's sovereign, he's good, he's great, he's incredible. But it's more than that. It's father in the heavens. 
in this realm that is all around us all the time. Dada, who's all around me all the time, everywhere I go, who is both sovereign and personal and present. And then he speaks of this, hallowed be your name. Brian Simmons, in, in, a, in a newer translation that is out called the Passion Translation, puts this, I think, really well. He says, our Heavenly Father, may the glory of your name be the center on which our life turns. Isn't that a great just line? Father in heaven, may, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Hallowed is this idea of glorify or, or to magnify or to make bright. Let your name shine brightly in and through and all around us. Not only are you in the heavens, but you're in us. And we are magnifying you by the way we live, by the way we love others, by the way that we walk in the identity of being your child. It's like what you do with a, room, a light and you put it in an enclosed space. And when you put it in this enclosed space, the whole space gets bright because it's magnifying this light. And that's kind of what we are. We are called as we go into our work world and we, we go to school and we go to um, friends and social engagements. There's, a, there, there's this aspect of who we are that because of this father that is our da- data who is all around us, He's also then in us, working through us to love and to forgive and to to spread peace and to bring joy and to bring righteousness, right relationship with others. Your kingdom come. Just a short little, your kingdom come. The whole idea here is is that that Father's rule in heaven is perfect. It it is absolutely the best to to be in his presence and with his will. And his will is always creating good things. And in his kingdom, where he rules, where he reigns, there's no oppression, there's no slavery, there's no pain, there's no living with a sense of failure or fear or anxiety or shame. He's kind of saying, bring this kind of experience into our experience here on earth. Where your heaven is, where there is peace and and grateful hearts and joy and and hope. Bring that here. You notice he doesn't say in heaven, um, bring the harp with you or something. We think so often of heaven and going to heaven you have harps, right? And and I'm not saying you you may play the harp and that would be great. But heaven is really about the kind of experience where we live so free and so full that we're actually doing what we are created to do. In fact, that's what heaven will be for you. Kind of, If you've had this thought of what's heaven going to be like, when the kingdom is established, you will do what you were created and gifted most to do. You ever been in those places where you're doing what you just love and you know, and you, you're in this like flow experience and you could almost stand outside yourself? It's just, the, it's, it's the best. That's heaven. So get rid of the idea of sitting around and playing harps and that's a part of heaven. And part of the expression of heaven is our worship of God bringing glory to him is doing what he's created us to do. Just like the trees. Trees don't try real hard to be, oh, I would like big leaves and I want to have these branches. It doesn't, it just, it just is what it is and brings glory to God. Okay. So he wants that to happen here and then he says, give us each day our daily bread. 
bread and water were just essential things. If you were to live, you needed bread and water. And what this prayer is saying, Dad, you promised to provide for us what is necessary in life. So all we're asking is is that you would meet our needs as we go about and be just who you've created us to be. As I bring glory to your name, knowing that you're living all around me, and I relate to you as my dad, uh, would you just meet the needs that I have? And then what he does as a father is more than that, right? He does more than just meet your needs. I don't know a dad here that all they do is meet the needs of their kids, right? And so he does more than that. But he says, at least just meet my needs. And he says, just know that I'm your, that you're my child and, and that I'm your dad and I will provide for you. And that's the kind of sense of identity I want you to live in. And then he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone. It's this, it's this statement that says, God, you're my dad and you're a compassionate man. You're a compassionate father. You're the kind of father who knows that I'm going to make mistakes, that I will fall, that I will fall, but never far enough from your reach. Never far enough from your grasp. Every and any and even the worst sin you secretly hold in your heart is forgiven. It just needs to be received and it just needs to be confessed. And God is ready and willing to do that. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 103. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And then he says, just think as far as the east is from the west, which is an infinite amount. So far as you moved our transgressions from us. And then he makes this statement. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who revere him, fear him, respect him. For he knows how we are formed and he remembers that we are death. Your father knows you're going to blow it. He does not expect perfection. You are always his child and his love for you is eternal. Even when you turn your back, no matter what you have done, he is compassionate and ready and waiting. So be like your father. With others who have turned their back on you, who have hurt you. He says, um, you know, we work so hard to muster up the forgiveness. It's more this. The Father has already forgiven them, so just agree with his forgiveness. Just agree with his forgiveness for them. And practice that muscle of saying, you know, I agree with you. I will choose. I agreed to forgive. And then he says, lead us not into temptation. Simply, Father, Dad, you know how frail we are, so lead us away from temptation that will overwhelm us. Don't Answer our stupid prayers. You ever, you ever, ever, you know? God, I, that was so dumb, I didn't even know it then. I mean, we're all like little kids who are, you know, are standing at the counter, you know. See, isn't it incredible? They, they always place the candy and the good stuff right at the counter as you're checking out. And they're, I want that, I need that. And, and, and you as a good parent go, I'm gonna keep them away from the evil stuff, right? 
Or you have the child who's looking at you and their eyes are red and they, I don't want to go to bed. That's a stupid prayer. Because as a good parent, you got to go, yeah, yeah, you do. You, you may not want to, but you need to go to bed. There is this, this last part of the prayer sometimes people have difficulty with when he says this idea, lead us not to temptation, is I, I do like the way that it's paraphrased um, in the message there. Is this idea, you know, keep us away from evil and from the devil, you know, from doing, from the things that are going to hurt us, God. Guide us and protect us, is what he says. So here are the implications that I want you to think about, and this is what I hope will be kind of just will stick with you. And the first is just pray. Pray this prayer. There's a reason why I said it's a model prayer. The reason it's a model prayer because it is the essential prayer that helps put us back into every day this sense of identity. If you if you pray this prayer often and thoughtfully, here's the key. It's not our Father in heaven. You know, it's not this kind of thing that if you do it, it's gonna you know do something necessarily for you because you've just you know done this religious activity, it's the prayer that says, I'm going to take a little bit of time, and I'm going to just go through this. <laughs> my dad, my father, again, I'm going to connect the fact that I'm your child. I'm going to live today as your child. I'm going to pray this prayer that connects me with what I know is true about my relationship with you. What is really interesting is, is, is God, our father, could have the Godhead could have revealed himself in so many different ways, but what he chose to do is reveal himself as we primarily are made in his image in this sense of family. And the primary relationship is that of a parent to a child. And, and the whole point is that you never really, in a sense, grow up because you will always have a father, you will always have a perfect parent, and you will always relate to him because our brain is like, this is even too small compared to his. There is this sense that his wisdom and understanding and his will and his, his being is so perfect and so good and so full of love and so full of forgiveness and so full of a desire to, to help you become all that he's created you to be. That he just says, would you go back to that place on a daily basis? That's why Jesus did it. That's why Jesus, when he goes, let me, let me share with you a prayer that will be really helpful. It will actually keep your identity from being stolen. So pray this often and thoughtfully. Just get on your knees and start a day and say, Dad, I'm so glad you're all around me. And Dad, I'm, I'm just... I'm so thrilled that today I can live in such a way that, that maybe you will be, you know, by the way I love, and I know I'm going to blow up, but by the way I love you, I might make your love more brighter in the lives of someone else. And, and dad, I'm so grateful that, that where you are, there is no pain, no suffering, there's no shame, there's no fear, there's no anxiety. And because that's where you're at and you're with me here, I wanna, I'm going to walk in that because I'm going to walk in the understanding that what I need you're going to provide for me today. And, and I'm going to walk in the sense that you're compassionate. It's not about me being perfect. What kid of yours is perfect? You just raise kids knowing they're going to fall and knowing they're going to make mistakes and knowing they're going to willfully do things against you and knowing that you will always love them. And dad, thanks for loving me like that. And dad, as I start this day as my 
as my dad, as a, as a son or a daughter before you, I just, I'm just going to recognize again, I'm going to make stupid prayers and I'm going to have stupid ideas, but would you just protect me from me? And more than that, protect me from the one who's out to get me. That, that, that's, that's the first thing I just want you to think about. What would it be like if you took seriously what Jesus says here and just said, you know what, on a, on a consistent basis, I'm going to reestablish what gets stolen from me throughout the day. I'm going to pray this. Now, here's the second thing I want you to do is, is to think about this. I want you to practice. I want you to practice telling yourself the truths of this prayer. So pray this thoughtfully and often. This relationship is, is essential. You are, you are a child to a parent. You are a daughter to a perfect father. You are a son to a perfect father who loves you completely. Now practice telling yourself these truths. As you pray this prayer, use it to praise him for what he's promised. Practice praising him for what is true about you. And then it's what is true about him. There's a pastor and author, his name is Bill Johnson, and I love this line. I love what he says. He says, I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that he doesn't have in his head about me. Think about that for a second. I can't afford to go through the day having thoughts in my head about me that he doesn't have in his head about me. What if you were to live that way? So how you practice this is you expose the lie. The thought in your head about you, and then you hold to the truth. The thought in the head that God has about you. And so it's just this idea of coming and practice and saying, here's the prayer, and, and here's the truth. And so you practice this by just asking yourself this question, what is the lie I am believing? So you feel fear. You, you get into a moment, you're feeling fear and you're feeling anxious. And you stop and you listen to the emotion. Because emotions, are, emotions aren't true or false. They're just, they're just the realities. They're indicator lives that something's gone on in your life. So, okay, so what am I afraid about? And then when you understand what you're afraid about, you, maybe you're afraid because you just don't feel like you're adequate for what is coming up ahead. And, and then you say, okay, what... What's the truth about this and what's the lie I'm believing? The lie I'm believing is that God isn't going to prepare. God isn't going to be with me through this. It's, it's what we do. There's a ministry that you've heard of here, what we call gateway prayer ministry. That's one of the primary things that they do in that ministry. We had just in May a thousand people go through prayer sessions. And it's basically doing this. It's basically taking time to bring something before the Lord and learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit by asking this question as you face whatever it may be, where you just ask yourself, okay, what is the lie I'm believing about this, possibly about me, and what is the lie I'm believing about my father? And what is the truth that my father has to say about me, and what is the truth of this? And it's amazing how when you live that way and you practice this in light of the Lord's prayer that you are his child and that he's caring for you and that he will provide for you and that he will go before you and that he is with you and that he will protect you and that he won't ask you to go into anything that he has not himself going to go with you in it. It's amazing how you can walk in the courage that God has called you to live in, to live in the peace he's called you to do. 
So you practice by asking yourself this question. What lies am I believing about you, Father God? Is there something I'm believing? That, like, for instance, you're feeling like, you know, the lie would be, um, it's up to me, God won't take care of me. And the truth is, Dad said, every day I'll provide what you need. Some of you are out of work, and I know everything inside you is saying, but God, really, really, the truth is this, that he will do what he's promised. He will care for you. It may get really tight. It might get tough. But God says the truth is that I'm your father. And I will provide, because that's what parents do. So you make this practice when you feel fear, you feel inadequate, or you feel ugly, or you feel unloved, or you feel helpless, or whatever it is that is being stolen from you around your basic identity as being a child of God. Whatever is stealing the truth, you ask by practicing this question, what is the lie I'm believing in this? And what is the truth about my father? And what is the truth he says about me? Restore my identity. The lie is God doesn't love me. The truth said, God said, call him dad. He's your dad. He loves you. The lie is there's no way God will forgive me in this. And you can think of all kinds of things. And there are people here that I know that you live with a sense of, you know, maybe it was an affair or some kind of addiction or you had an abortion or you had something, something in your life. And you, you look at that and you hold on to it and Satan just keeps accusing you again and again. And he calls you by that name and says, this is your identity. You're a sinner. You're no good. And, and God goes, no. That's not true because of what Jesus has done, because of who Jesus says you are. You are now a saint. You have been called into a relationship with him. And the truth is that Jesus says before, you you, you come to your dad and once you've said you're sorry and admit your sin, your father is compassionate. He says that's forgiven. I have forgiven that and that is as far as the east is from the west. So practice telling yourself the truth. Make it a practice. Expose the lie. Hold to the truth. And continue to ask yourself as you go through the day, as you pray this prayer thoughtfully and, and, and you pray it often and you establish your identity, also then in that identity, practice telling yourself what is true in those things that you prayed about. And where's the lie? Here's the truth behind the prayer Jesus said we should pray. The prayer that he said use as a model. Daily let it bring back to you your true identity, back to center. Get centered on these truths. Your Father God is approachable, available, dependable, compassionate, understanding, forgiving, able to guide, able to deliver, protecting from every trap that Satan places before you. And here's the last thing. Play. That's what I love about this prayer. It's, it's, it's this idea, play and enjoy the life you've been given. I have a grandson. He's just going to be two years old here in about a week. And do you know what his primary job is? Someone said, it, play. It's really fun. I mean, I would, that's what I want to do. And, and my father says, yeah, that's, that's what you're called to do. If you, if you truly understood your identity, that you're my son, and, and that I've gifted you to do what I've called you to do, and that you, you will be taken care of as you walk with me, yeah, you're gonna fall, you're gonna, you're gonna do everything that happens when you mature as an adult child. But this whole, this whole garden called earth is yours. And I called you to live an experience of play. 
That's what our identity, that our identity is, boy, he's my father, he really loves me. So when my, my daughter was um, three years old, my, and my oldest daughter was five, I remember when the first day my five-year-old Kelsey was going on the bus. And anybody who's had kids go on a bus or something like that before, it, it's just like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually watch her go up steps and, and go on a bus and she has no idea what she's going to. You know, you know, now I think parents ride with them on the bus and things like that. But this was then when we were bad parents. And I remember standing here and I, we've got videos of it because I think I was taking the video and, and I just remember going up and I remember thinking to myself, she is the most courageous person in the world. And I watch her and the bus goes away and I'm still taking video cameras and I turn and I, and I look at my little daughter Kenzie, she's three and here's her mom standing right with her and I go, so Kenzie, what are you gonna do all day? She goes, play, play, play with mommy. <laughs> we, we laugh at that. But honestly, if we took seriously the identity that we're called to live in as his children, He should be able to look at you and just go, so what are you going to do today? Play, play, play at my work, you know, know, whatever. Just the spirit of play. Your Father God wants each of us, he wants each of you to live in the deep sense of security, to live in in, in peace, to live with joy, to like children play in this vast playground that he's created for us. I really believe one of the most important missions of the church and we're missing and failing in it is we don't look any different than the world around us. We're called to live peaceful and joyful lives so that people, when they look at our life, look up to go, "What's, what's creating all this joy and peace? To have a sense of wonder where they ask, why are you so filled with joy and peace? It's this verse that says they ask for what's the hope that lies within you. I think this is our greatest witness. It's, it's living like what we say we believe. And living in that sense of ease and a sense of peace. It's living with a conscious awareness that you are God's child and that you are loved by God and that you'll be provided by God and that you have a compassionate Father who forgives you and that you will be protected by God because he said, call him Abba. Call him Dada. I don't care how old you are. You can be 85, 90, 95, and he's still your Dada. That's why Jesus said, become like a child. Romans 14, 17 through 18 is a verse just about a year ago became really, just kind of, you know how certain things just jump out at you? This one jumped out. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it's in the realm of the Holy Spirit. It's filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not, it's not about what goes into your stomach. It's not about rules and religious activity. It's not about trying to get God's approval. That's not how we're to live this life. That's all been taken care of. All that kind of trying to do that stuff, 
was completed by Jesus on the cross. Now, he says, it's in the realm of the Holy Spirit. We live with our dad, with the Holy Spirit within us. And we're filled with a sense of righteousness, rightness with God and learning how to live right with others. Filled with the sense of, of, of peace, knowing that things are at peace with God and the ability to live in a peace where we, where we live and go and, and to then experience joy knowing God's, God's over all this. And then I love this part of the verse, serving the anointed one, Jesus. Here's, here's the call. Here's what we're called to do. Serving the anointed one, Jesus, by walking in these kingdom realities of righteousness, peace, and joy. Those are the three things, if you just concentrate on those things. By walking in these kingdom realities, pleases God your Father and earns the respect of others. I think that's the greatest witness we have as a church. It's about living in our identity as a child of God. It's about your attitudes and your character being filled with God's presence in such a way that no matter what is happening in your life, you're learning to be kind and good to others and you're learning to live in peace and you're choosing joy. I'm not saying this because I have this down at all. I'm saying this because I know this is what God wants to do in each and every one of us. It's what the word of God calls us to. Now I'm going I'm to play something that some of you have seen and it's, it's a video, and it's going to take a few minutes, but sometimes I believe God gives physically and mentally challenged people to us as an example of what it means to just live secure and, and live under the, the realm of a good father and mother. And I, it, I was at the um, Christ for People a few weeks back on their 40th anniversary, and I just looked around, and I looked at the, just the expression of joy, just the simplicity have you been in those situations with developmentally disabled people and you just you just go, I just can't believe it. And, and you're going to see in this video, this one, you're going to see it and some of you have seen it. There's a guy who gets led up and he's just kind of being led by his parent. His parent is just kind of leading him and he just does what he's been gifted to do and he does it naturally. And then, I'm telling you the story, but everyone's going to cheer, but you need to see it. <laughs> the reason I want you to see it is because there is this real sense that God just wants to lead us. And he wants us to just to be who we are and to do what we do because we're all, everyone is gifted. You all have a certain specific gift that only you can bring to the world, that only you can bring to the place that God has placed you. He puts you in your neighborhoods. He puts you in your places of work. He'll move you when he needs to move you. And, and he has this way of doing this, but he's created you in such a way that as you give this, I think as you just express this in this identity of being a child of his God, where you live in this kind of blind faith where you don't have a lot of other things you can do, but you can at least just do what he's given you to do in the moment. There is a sense that I think the angels of heaven just kind of look around and they just cheer. They just cheer. Hello. Welcome to America's Got Talent. What's your name? I'm Cody. Hi, Cody. I'm Cody. How old are you? I am 22 years old. Yeah. Who are you, miss? Who are you? I'm mom. Oh, I'm hi, Tina mom. Lee. Hi, hi Tina. Hi, How are you? 
So what are you going to do here for us today? I'm going to sing a song for you on the piano. I love it. Tina, tell us a little bit about Cody. Cody is blind and autistic. Wow. We found out that he loved music really early on. He listened and his eyes just went huge. And he started singing. And that's when I just, I was in tears. Because that's when I realized, oh my gosh, he's an entertainer. So, through music and performing, he was able to withstand living in this world. Because when you're autistic, it's really hard Mm -hmm. to do what everybody else does. It actually has saved his life playing music. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we'd love to hear you. Go for it. You ready? I'm ready.
first of all, I will tell you that all four judges and everybody in this room were up on their feet. I will tell you that. You gotta know that. You were wonderful. Not only do we feel the authenticity of what you do, but you're a great inspiration and a great talent. And it was amazing. Thank you so much, Julian. I know um, everybody needs a voice and an expression. And I really feel your, your heart, your passion, your voice blew all of us away. So I just want to say that I heard you and I felt you and that was beautiful. Thank you. Simon? Listen, what just happened there was extraordinary. I mean, really extraordinary. I don't know what it's like to live in Cody's world. All I can tell is, is that you obviously have an amazing relationship, the two of you. And your voice is absolutely fantastic. You have a really beautiful tone. And thank you so much for trusting us on this show. I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. Thank you. I'm a new judge this season, and I'm also a new mom this year. It's the toughest job I've ever had and the most rewarding job I've ever had. You just want to give your kids the moon, the stars, and the rainbows. And tonight, I'm going to give you something special. On every mountain, swim every ocean. I'm going to ask you to stand. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules of food and drink, but it's in the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace, and joy, serving Jesus by walking in these kingdom realities. It pleases God and earns the respect of others. I just get this picture, and I want to live this way. I want you to live this way of... It's like that mom and, and this, this blind autistic child. I get this picture of, of, of being on my knees. And I'm pretty blind and autistic. And I think we all are in our own ways. And, and, and the father just kind of standing over you. And people going, I, I, that relationship you have is incredible. Because as you pray as a child, and you go out and you just do... What you're the best you can do, and you live in this sense of just righteousness and peace and joy. In this father-son-daughter relationship, I know the world is just gonna look on. And that's what he's called us to live in. It's it's as simple as that. I think if Jesus was here, he said, live like, just live like that. Live like Cody. Just get it down to the simplicity of just going, I love you. I, I'm here with you. I'll walk with you. I'll, I'll set you up at the piano. Whatever you're supposed to be doing, I'll just be there. And I will let you express who I've made you to be. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head before the Lord. 
Your Father in heaven loves you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. You are His son. You are His daughter. He sees you in your heart. And He calls you son and says, I'm proud of you. He calls you daughter and he says you're my princess I want you to live like that and I know some of you there's there's a block in there there's just you know there's a lie you're believing one of the things we do in, in that gateway prayer is we just ask you to be quiet for a second and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart right now and listen with your spirit in your heart Whatever the lie is, whatever you're believing, just let the Holy Spirit tell you who you really are. It's his voice as he speaks to you. Some he's going to say princess. To some he's going to say prince. Some he's going to say you're gifted to do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just go out and do it now. There's some he's saying it's time maybe for you just to repent and repent by just admitting and confessing that you have been far from him. Your sin has divided you from him and he's not and he's not up there angry. He's compassionate right now. He loves you and he just says just admit it and, and freely confess it and he is here to forgive you. He is here to, to allow for you to receive him into, you, into your heart. He wants to be with you. Father, on this Father's Day, thank you for being such a great and loving Father. Thank you for the extravagant love you've given us. And so, God, we ask that as we go from here, we might really pray this prayer often and thoughtfully. We might practice telling ourselves what is true, that that we, we look in that prayer and just praise you for those things that are true and identify those things that we're believing our lies in. God, help us to play. Help us to play. Help us to show the world that we have a dad who cares about us. And help us step on the buses of our life and do it in ways that bring you great praise. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Happy Father's Day.